0: And so to a Nobel winner who first appeared in this programme in 1975. His work was a great example of research that comes into its own, like lasers and relativity, when at first you don't know how they may be useful. His revelation of the way viruses take over the cell and its DNA, how the enzyme transcriptase operates, were the key to tackling HIV, AIDS and many cancers. He was until recently president of the famed Caltech campus and is still working there. So what does he think about COVID? Well, we've never
1: had an epidemic like this before that just came out of nowhere. And so all of us were totally susceptible. And we haven't had to deal with that kind of situation. You can say maybe in 1918 we did, but most of us weren't around then. So we've had to invent ways of responding to this challenge from nature. And we've done that. We've done it not perfectly. We've, I think, made mistakes. I think we've misinterpreted data. But we had the absolutely remarkable piece of good fortune that Moderna and BioNTech were working on new ways of vaccination. And they're not great ways of vaccination. They're probably not the best ways but they're fast. And they could be mobilized quickly. Why aren't they the best? Well, vaccination is really about proteins. And these are RNA. So they're one step in the steps of biological processing. They're one step away. And I've actually tried to find out why they work. It's not clear to me why they work. You put it in the arm like it was any other vaccine. And magically, you get protein, and the protein induces antibodies. But it is a bit magical. And so I would love to understand better how it works. I have the strong feeling that a more traditional way of making vaccines, which is clumsier,
0: more expensive, more difficult, slower, may give you a better immunity. You said we've never been as vulnerable because there's a new disease. But the AIDS and the way in which your work-inspired treatment was pretty new as well, wasn't it? It was, but it is
1: not as widespread. Plenty of people have gotten AIDS, but as a fraction of the population, it's still pretty small. Many, many more people got coronavirus.
0: What do you think about the ways in which the treatment has been applied and what is the present situation when it comes to looking after AIDS and similar sorts of inflictions? Well, I think we've done an extraordinary job of
1: making drugs that stop the development of AIDS, that put the virus sort of back in its box. They're not perfect. They don't cure people, but they do stop the spread, and they stop symptoms. And so many, many people are living relatively normal lives, even though
0: they are infected and remain infected. Tremendous achievement, and... It's been followed up in what ways? AIDS is more or less understood. But what about other diseases where similar applications could apply? Well, AIDS is a funny disease because it's so poorly
1: infectious, actually. And it really is only spread effectively by very intimate contact. Totally different than coronavirus or flu, where it comes out of the air and you breathe it in. So it's fascinating. In fact, I think what we're learning is that each virus is its own challenge and that we can't meet the challenge of a new virus by analogy with an old virus because it's different enough that we have to rethink the way it's spread, the way you make drugs, susceptibility to drugs, how do you make vaccines, who you give it to,
0: how... Well, the vaccine maintains itself in the body. Bernard Shaw was kind of against vaccination (laughs) or something like it. Can you understand the processes by which people are against? Yes, I can understand
1: it because even though I get injections of vaccines somewhat frequently and I get blood samples taken even more frequently because I'm getting old and they Trying to keep track of how I'm deteriorating. Every time I see a needle approaching my skin, I freeze. Now, I don't stop anybody from doing it because I know it's good for me. So my head actually dominates the weakness of my body. But I can easily understand other people who just say, yeah, I'm not going to do it.
0: It's only a tiny pinprick in the shoulder. You can hardly feel it. It
1: is true that you can hardly feel it. If you've got a good phlebotomist, you don't feel it at all. But it's a violation of the integrity of your body. And you want to minimize those. And it's scary because you don't know what happens when putting some fluid that was made in a laboratory into your body. We live in a society and we are together in this society and we have to behave in a way which is consistent with the needs of our society because we draw from our society we don't live in isolation and so to argue that you don't want to do something because it makes you queasy or whatever is not a good argument you really do have to respond to the needs of the society the needs of the people around you the needs of your family
0: from the vantage of an eighty five-year-old life What do you think the United States needs to do to get its act together on many fronts now?
1: We have to get people to be more comfortable with each other and not so suspicious. I think we're moved into an era of a very deep, terrible suspicion of what each other are doing and of what the society is doing. Part of it is because we've been so successful scientifically that scientifically-oriented Part of the population has moved way ahead of a lot of other people in the society who haven't paid as much attention to science or just don't have as much background to understand it. That's a schism that doesn't do well for us. So we need to cross-educate each other. We need to come together to think about what science is doing. I just spent the early part of this week at a meeting in England talking about genome editing, which is a classic case of what we can do today that affects our whole society. Because we can now modify the gene pool. And that means modifying the inheritance of not only our families, but all future families. So it's a very powerful way of molding future nature of human beings. Do we want to do that? Are we smart enough to do that? It
0: could be a gene for Harvard. I spent my life avoiding Harvard, so <laughs> you aren't going to get me on that one. <laughs> that conference, by the way, yeah. condemned what the Chinese scientists had done to produce two girls from yes. a genetically modified egg. When the meeting was held
1: five years ago, we condemned that. I personally condemned it. I was running that meeting in Hong Kong. And it was condemned again now it was condemned again now, and it deserves condemnation. The wonderful thing, as I said in opening this meeting in England, is that for five years we haven't had anybody else try. That's pretty amazing, because it's easy. What the Chinese scientists proved was that you can mobilize the resources to make these changes in inheritance pretty easily. And so if that's easy to do. Why haven't many more people done it? Why haven't there been companies would do it in other jurisdictions, not in the United States? And I think it is because we've had such absolute agreement in the condemnation of what was done by J.K. Her five years ago.
0: Yeah, I think the argument is that once you've got it into a living person and that person passes on a gene and there may be in the complication of the cell division, various different mistakes, and that could be passed on and on and on. Right. But the students themselves, are they still up to the mark? Oh, yeah. We get extraordinary students here at Caltech. Whether
1: overall the students who are going into higher education are as good as they used to be is an interesting question. And I think there is plenty of evidence that they're not. That some of the very best students potentially the best students are not coming into the universities today particularly men so we now have an excess of women over men
0: Ex oh i see not an excess overall <laughs> no not <an> ex- no <laughs>
1: no but in the university women represent 60 even more percent of the student body whereas it used to be that they represented of the student body, and we were trying hard to get more women. But right now, I think the real problem is that there are a lot of men who are not coming into the university and not getting the kind of training that prepares them for
0: the world that we're creating. Do you think some of the men, many of the young men, have lost the plot? Are they too concerned with their screens and with their games? That could be. I, I don't
1: feel I really understand what's going on but certainly a lot of men are very involved with the games, but, you know, a lot of women are too. That doesn't seem to be the distinction. I have a daughter, I have now a granddaughter, both of them spend a lot of time in front of screens.
0: Professor David Baltimore, who won the Nobel Prize in 1975 and appeared on the Science Show in that year, he's still at Caltech, where he was formerly president.